from a consumer of those services, I wouldn't say the best we can do. We have to start being open to asking questions before we just pull out our checkbooks or our credit cards and start buying services. Whether that's a, your domain provider and say, hey, how are you protecting my information? Ask that question. What is it that they're doing? Are they, have they been audited by a third party? Today's episode with Rafi Jamgachin of Tradanet delves into security, a new topic for us on the program, but don't let that stop you from considering its importance. If you value something, you protect it. That's human nature. It's hard to think of an example where that's not the case. We talk about the varying degrees by which companies, both big and small, can be compromised. What are some absolute musts in terms of your own security and what you can do today to be more careful? Hint, it's going to involve your password. Rafi Jemgachin, it is good to have you here on Ecomonics. How are you doing today? How are you feeling? Great. Thank you for having me, Joseph. Appreciate it. I'm happy to have you here. Uh, you have a, you have a pretty beautiful setting, I have to say. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, mahogany. It's definitely one a color that I would want to paint my background in. Okay, I had to get that out of my system. I apologize. <laughs> I'm happy to, to have you here today because we're going to cover some stuff that we don't get to cover too often on the show. And so this is a great opportunity for us to learn more about something that, and I'm sure you would support me on this, is arguably an essential uh, component to uh, running a healthy online business. Yep. And it's uh, going to be about security. Absolutely. Before we uh, we dive in and we, and, and we explore this space uh, as much as we can in the next six hour, first thing we got to do is... Tell us what you do and what you're up to these days. Yeah, so uh, Triado Networks is our is our company. We started it in 2008. We help uh, small businesses uh, with their IT needs, but more importantly, how to reduce risk around cybersecurity and other uh, other things, so that their businesses can be more resilient to events that take place, and they will take place. It's not a matter of uh, if, but when. And you've seen your fair share of wins, I imagine. I've seen a fair, fair, fair share as my wins. Yes, certainly. Uh, it's probably one of the reasons why I have so many gray hairs. Well, uh, uh, speaking as someone, I'm not keeping track or anything, but the 11 that I have so far are, uh, they, they've got to account for something. And I haven't, I haven't had my win yet. So there's, there's, there's plenty of reasons why they happen. Uh, so it started in 2008. So, so it's been, uh, you've definitely been uh, in this for, uh, uh, for a fair amount of time. And the way I like to ask the question about you know agencies and services uh, such as Treader Networks is when it was starting, what problem were you identifying in specific that was going unsolved? Um, imagining that there are other businesses in the space in that time. Yeah, certainly. I mean, if you're we're we're based right outside New York City, and you can shake a stick and you'll hit another IT or cybersecurity firm here. So uh, there's definitely plenty of people doing what we're doing. Uh, at various levels. So uh, prior to 2008, I was working at an investment firm in uh, cybersecurity. And um, in the downfall of the uh, financial crisis, uh, in the middle of that in 2008, a, num a number of folks started breaking off of these large institutions and starting their own investment funds. And uh, many of them were folks that I had been working with and they came out to us and say, hey, we're starting our own fund. We have no clue what to do when it comes to protecting ourselves and making sure our businesses are compliant with regulations. Uh, and that's how we started. That was the, the birth of, of Triada. It was to really fulfill that need of initially those investment firms. Uh, and then we expanded from there. I mean, we focus primarily on financial services companies, but we're not exclusive to that. Um, and we have a number of companies that are both in the retail and, and, uh, and the B2B, uh, e-commerce space. So it ends up becoming a kind of a holistic view of really helping small companies that don't have the staff, don't have the expertise to really, uh, put things in place to make their risk go down. Now I I've been trying my, my way as an entrepreneur for, for quite some time in, in different respects. Um, you know, at the very, very, very beginning when I would try to do stuff online, it was, uh, in, in, in arts, just trying to set up my own webcomic. And I, and I, and I would use GoDaddy uh, both for the domain and the web hosting. And I, I still use them for some services to this day, but I've expanded outwards. And, and there was something that stuck out to me because they would do their, their routine phone calls every, I don't know, six months or something like that, just to check in and see how we're doing, see what upgrades we need. And one of the, these conversations, the one that stuck out the most is when they were saying that I had to pay for a security upgrade. And it was the first time that they had told me about this. And I, and I remember thinking, 
well, hold on a second. I wasn't paying for this before. And then all of a sudden, it's this added cost now. And, and he says, well, you know, times are changing. Things have to, a lot more things are going online. So this is becoming a, a larger expense. And, and, I, and I walked away from that wondering, and I'm still wondering to this day, which brings me to the question that I have for you is, so, you know, you, we have our domain providers. You have the um, service providers, say, like Shopify, for instance, which, and this is Shopify country, is from your perspective, how much um, responsibility are these service providers supposed to be taking in providing security for the customers compared to how much responsibility the users, such as myself, yeah. should be taking? That's an awesome question. Uh, and Thank in you. fact, I worked if, hard on it. Yeah, if anything, um, the past couple weeks have, or even the last few months have, have taught us is that um, nobody in our supply chains are uh, at, at, you know, uh, immune to, to getting, uh, breached, whether that's a provider like Shopify or GoDaddy or, or what have you. And, um, although most of the breaches are due to somebody, uh, effectively, uh, letting the bad actor in, um, it's not exclusive to that. So, you know, let's take, you know, the most recent one was only a week ago with, uh, with a company called Kaseya. So, uh, with Kaseya, they are a provider of software that is used by internal IT teams as well as uh, companies like ourselves. And uh, they weren't necessarily breached, but a flaw in their software allowed an attacker in. Um, one of the effects of that was, you know, in, the, in, the, uh, in Europe, there was a, a, a point of sale vendor that was using that, that tool. And as a result of that, 800 stores uh, were shut down. So, is it the fault of the, the provider? Is it the fault of the software vendor? Is it the fault of it? It's, it's really nobody. These are all victims of the same, the same problem. Um, we all can do things that improve ourselves. So from a, from a consumer of those services, I wouldn't say the best we can do. We have to start being open to asking questions before we just pull out our checkbooks or our credit cards and start buying services. Whether that's a, your domain provider, um, and say, hey, how are you protecting my information? Ask that question. What is it that they're doing? Are they have they been audited by a third party? Um, you know, when was the last time you had a uh, security flaw, and what? How fast did you you patch it? Um, these are all legitimate questions. You're going to be spending your hard-earned money uh, on these services. They should be giving you those uh, that information. So that's at least the first place to start. Then from your own uh, your own ability to work with those these companies, you have a login with GoDaddy. Uh, GoDaddy does a decent job about uh, protecting your identity and your, your, your login information to support pins and things like that. Uh, but they all can do better. Uh, turn on multi-factor wherever you can, which means when you log in, you get a token code, either um, a pop-up on your phone or a, a text message, which is not as good, but you know it's better than nothing. This way, if somebody does get a copy of your password, uh, that they, uh, you at least will see if somebody's trying to get in uh, from another location and prevent that. So these are all little bits that we can start doing to not only protect ourselves, um, uh, but as well uh, protect uh, our clients and our clients' data. Yeah, and I think a lot of it also has to do with getting into good habit routines, uh, not dissimilar to you know uh, brushing your teeth and flossing and, and using mouthwash. So I think over time, people have to be conditioned to um, take more of these precautions. So not too long ago, um, there was uh, there was credit card fraud on on my account, and I noticed it because you know my eyes are glued to the phone most <laughs> throughout most of the day. So so I look at my phone. I was like, wait a minute, I didn't buy anything at Walmart lately. So I and I and I try to deal with it right away and and it's canceled. And the silver lining in it is that it was a great way to like cancel a bunch of subscriptions, like the ones that I actually wanted to continue. I moved on to the new credit card and then a bunch of other ones like, hey, we haven't heard from you in a while. Don't you want your next electric toothbrush? I'm like, actually, no, I still have six in storage. So I'm actually pretty good. So, so that one actually worked out pretty well for me, but I still don't want to deal with it again. And what I started doing was, you know, I was saying, okay, where do they get me? Maybe they got me online through putting in my information. So I really need to th think about, you know, where, where I make these purchases, which I guess ties into some of the issues that customers have is that and they want to go on to smaller businesses. They want to go on the Shopify stores and, and they want to make these purchases, but they don't have that 
that same peace of mind. And, and I think that there's this, at least this minimal requirement for it to say, you know, trust and security and, and compliance and all of that. But we see that basically every time. Uh, and so the other thing I tried to do physically was like every time I pull up my credit cards to make a purchase in person, I would hide it. Like I would keep mm-hmm. it close to my chest mm-hmm. just so in case somebody was happening to get the visual of it. And I and I and I do that to this day. Unfortunately, it was like a too late situation. You know, the habits had to come after the fact. So there, there's a bunch of challenges here. And so the first one that I want to uh, uh, get to uh, above all else is how you've been able to, you know, get people into these good conditions, into these good habits before they've had to learn the hard way. Yeah, that's that's a that's a that's a tricky one. Uh, yeah. You know, alarm sales go up after house break-ins, right? Uh, it's either it's it's either your house or it's your neighbor's house, uh, and uh, that's sometimes hard. You know, unfortunately, you have to you have a hard lesson sometimes. Um, and it, but you know, each one of these things is a lesson. You may be you may think you're doing everything correct, uh, and then you something else happens and you find another you know, piece of your armor that you need to, to patch up a little bit. And, and every time you do this, it's a learning, it's having the things in place to be able to, uh, uh, identify that you had an issue, um, and then put the process in place and how to recover from that issue. All those things are, are as equally in point uh, as equally important as preventing from the issue from happening to begin with. Uh, I had the same issue as you did. Uh, I think I traced it back to a gas station that uh, that nabbed my card. Uh, then we tried to uh, spend money on uh, things at Walmart, and then we we were able to. Uh, well, I get with the Walmart. It's, it's like it's like it's, like it's easy. Because yeah, they guess. can go in and out real quickly. They do a quick charge. If it goes through, if it works, then they 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 try something bigger like a TV. That's usually the pattern. Um, liquor stores is another one uh, that seems to uh, at least occur to my um, when my cards get dinged. Uh, most recently, it happened to my wife. We were on uh, vacation at the time. Uh, all of a sudden, we get a call from Capital One saying, hey, your credit, we need some more information to opening up your credit card. My wife is not applying to Capital One for a credit card. Uh, then we got home and there was a, uh, uh, a, uh, a debit card from a credit union sitting in our house. So somebody had opened up a bank account, actually put money in, uh, in my wife's name uh, so that they could do whatever. It, it happens and it's very easy to happen. And we, we, we forget all the different times that we lose track of when we submit something, a piece of paper, a form in a store. It seems to happen more often in the physical world than the online world, honestly. But, you know, obviously the online world is getting uh, um, is as easy to to commit fraud. Um, the fraud part is the, uh, it, it, you know, you know, we. So in the in the networking world, we, we what we do is we we segment uh, processes and we segment uh, things from so that they don't affect each other. And what we did in our own business, for example, uh, when it came to credit cards, is we started splitting the credit cards up. So we had multiple credit cards. Uh, we use some things for our monthly. I wouldn't have had the same experience you did, unfortunately. Uh, we separated our monthly expenses from our uh, our incidentals. This way, if and our incidental card, which was out in the wild, gets you know dinged. We didn't have to go through every vendor and have to reset uh, reset uh, what accounts were being used. We do the same thing in the online world. Uh, we still do the we do the same thing in, from when it comes to cybersecurity. We we uh, we compartmentalize so that it doesn't affect the rest of the uh, uh, the rest of the business. When a submarine has a leak, they're able to close the doors around that leak so that the submarine can still be viable. The business is the same idea. This way, uh, the name of the game is really resilience, uh, not necessarily you know complete and utter prevention because that's not a that's not possible. Yeah, it seems like it's an arms race, and then no matter how what security protocols can be in place, yeah. the, the the bad actors would just find some other way to uh, to subvert it, and then it, and and then it goes on indefinitely. Yeah, just don't be at least from, from my outside. Yeah, you know. So one method there that you mentioned, uh, expenses versus incidentals, is I think a great takeaway uh, because um, my conventional wisdom, uh, even going into this conversation, is to you know you have one car separate for business expenses, but then you have another car separate for personal expenses. But I, it never really occurred to me that a lot of these subscriptions can be done on a single card, and that card never has to leave the house. It just stays in a drawer. It's doing its job, no problem. 
and then something else I, a little a little a little closer to if i may a little closer to a burner card something that okay it, like you said if it does get lost somebody else takes it somebody gets a photo of it uh someone was a little bit too close to me behind me when i'm ordering coffee okay all of a sudden it it, it goes and then all of a sudden we don't have all of these uh all this other mess that we have to pick up i also have to say there's a bit of a of a of a reality check there because you know, hearing from your perspective and the uh, incidents that have uh, affected you and, and affected your wife, no one's really immune from this. I mean, you are in yeah, security and no IT. Exactly. Everybody gets point. hit. That's exactly my point. Um, you know, we can do a lot of things and throw up a lot of software and tools and, and monitoring and what have you. But at the end of the day, um, we still have to connect to the rest of the world uh, with these things, uh, you know, whether it's credit cards, bank information, et cetera, you know, keeping tabs on your credit statements, keeping tabs on your, uh, your own account uh, information. Uh, you know, we recommend everybody should lock their credit reports with, uh, with, the, with the credit bureaus um, to, uh, to ensure that less, um, you know, and, and again, so here was a here was an, a mistake on our end, right? I had done that for my own uh, for my own account, but we hadn't done that for my wife, and so uh, and that was that that's where the uh, the flaw was in our in our uh, in our armament, so to speak. Um, and so you 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 learn from that, and you you make adjustments, and you move you move forward. We covered some of these um, uh, expenses versus incidentals, multi-factor. Uh, uh, authentication, you said, um, with the with the credit bureau, um, and and that was uh, all tying into one of the questions I wanted to make sure I asked, which is at least basics, you know, guidelines, uh, advice, advice that we recommend. Um, I, in service to my audience, to the average Shopify seller, what the business owner should should be doing, um, but I think also too, you know, what the online user as well um, should also uh, be bearing in mind. And, and and you don't have to retread the ones that you said, but I also wanted to make sure that we covered any other important ones too. Yeah, no, and and you know, my, uh, you know, my son has a uh, an online uh, shop as well, uh, so you know, we talk about this a lot. Um, the the you need to make you know a couple things. Uh, if you're if you're connecting into sensitive accounts like your bank, and you know, don't do it in the public. It's not just so shoulder surfing, uh, somebody looking over your shoulder, looking at what you're doing. But um, you could be in a coffee shop, and uh, and and somebody could be uh, snooping on your on your traffic, or or tricking you to to go into another uh, another you know wireless access point that that they've stood up, and not the one that you expect to connect to. So you know, do those things for, uh, from home. Uh, use a uh, user VPN. I use a VPN wherever I am, including in my own office. Um, my internet service provider doesn't need to know uh, what websites I'm going to. Uh, you know, they obviously want to monetize that aspect of it. That's how they keep their costs down. Um, but uh, there's no reason for them to to uh, to need to know all all those connections. So I, I you know, I use a reputable uh, VPN provider. Um, certainly, uh, use different passwords for. Your, your accounts, uh, your bank account should not be your LinkedIn account, should not be your Shopify account. Uh, make those passwords different and make them long and very hard to guess. And if it's hard to remember for you, that's good. Uh, don't write it down, put it in a password manager, put it in a password vault. Uh, and uh, we, you know, that, that way, that's, uh, you don't even have to think about what the password is and, and you, you leak it out somewhere and reuse it. Um, password stuffing is one of the major ways that, uh, e-commerce sites, uh, get broken into other than security flaws. Um, make sure you're, if you're running your own, you know, if you're not using a service provider like Shopify and you're running your own Magento site or WordPress site or something like that, you got to keep it up to date. So that's on you. You have to make sure that all the patches are installed, that all the updates are, and you're following the best practices when it comes to managing a server. And if you can't, if you don't have the skill set to do that and can't afford to hire somebody, it's a lot cheaper to go to a service provider like Shopify and, and, and have that stood up for yourself rather than dealing with it yourself. So that's that's my uh, my two cents there. And then uh, and then we talked about multi-factor authentication. Update, you know, put that in everywhere you can. Your bank, your your online accounts, your email. Uh, again, your email is one of these things where you're like, oh, I don't have any information that's uh, important in my email, but 
you know, when you go to a website, you need to reset your password. Where does that reset go to? And most of the time it goes to your email. So if somebody gets a hold of your email account, chances are they're going to be able to get into your other accounts too. So it's very important to make sure you protect your, your email account as well. Uh, and then have an alternative form. If, uh, if you're doing big ticket transactions and people are sending wiring money around and, and you're talking to your suppliers, uh, make sure that if somebody's asking you to wire to a different bank account than you normally do, uh, we see this all the time, This uh, these uh, wire fraud, uh, uh, unfortunately, and it's not a technical thing. It's somebody sends an email or gets them, somehow hooks themselves into the email conversation. And next thing you know, uh, you either wired money to the wrong bank account or your client wired money to uh, uh, to the wrong bank account. And now you're out thousands of dollars. So uh, those are all the different things, telltale things to, uh, to, to watch out for. Yeah. One thing you mentioned is making passwords um, uh, difficult to uh, even for us to remember. Uh, I, I do uh, once in a while, we'll get those random passwords generated where it's just a random sequence of, uh, of numbers and letters. I'm like, I'm going to use that one. Password stuffing. I hadn't heard heard of this one before. If I if I had for to guess, not that I have to, but I'm going to anyways, which is that they have a an AI and that this it just starts randomly trying as many passwords as it can, and it's doing hundreds of thousands of calculations so much so that maybe in a day or two it'll it'll crack the code. Is that how how, how close was I? Yeah. So that's more like actually cracking a password if they have a you know, say you have a, a, you've gotten a password database and it's encrypted and you're trying to break it. Uh, that's a lot harder to do, but typically what, what is done is that a, a malicious actor will, will get a database of passwords from a breach, a uh, public breach. These are, uh, unfortunately easy to obtain, uh, and, and get, uh, and then, uh, they either buy or free, uh, and then they will use that against other sites. So, uh, which is why you don't want to reuse your password. So they'll they'll get your downloads. You know, let's say you know LinkedIn was breached a couple of years ago, and so there was millions of records on LinkedIn. Uh, and very common with people would use the LinkedIn passwords also to their office email. And now uh, now they have access to your office email as well. So that's that's what. What I, what I mean by password stuffing or credential stuffing. Um, so that that's the uh, the process of, of doing that. Cracking passwords is a longer and harder process. And um, most, most uh, malicious actors are, are going to take the easiest way, easiest way in. Um, and, you know, uh, password cracking is easy when it's short. So that's why you try to make it as password, you know, passwords as long as possible. So for my audience, I don't uh, bring up um, my other projects very often, but it's actually relevant in this case. But um, in a, it's like a hobby podcast that I that I do once in a blue moon, and and I spoke to somebody who he works in IT. He he was speaking anonymously, so he didn't want to say what company he works for, but he had said that you know one day he gets a phone call from his boss, and their and their company was hacked. Whole thing was shut down, and the sales staff had to keep the business going uh, manually. Um, so much so that I think they brought back the old credit card machines where you have to swipe it. And, and so, and, I mean, that, that happens. That wasn't the shocking part. The shocking part was when he described the, the hackers. I think for a lot of people, when they think hackers, they think somebody is just, you know, sitting in their, in their basement and they got the matrix background going on and, you know, they're wearing the blue light uh, glasses because they do care about their health. And I suppose that's true, but the scope of it was shocking to me. He had said that they had actually called the, the hackers uh, on the phone and they had a customer service agent to pick up and it's like a whole agency and they're picking up all of these different um, big business uh, uh, people that, yeah, it's, it's a big business and and it took place, uh, I, I believe in Russia. And he also mentioned that like, you know, there was another, uh, another agency that was just recently raided by the mob and they all got gunned down. So there was a lot that goes on here. Yeah. And I bring this up because I would love to know if you can add to this picture in any way, if there's anything um, along these lines that has crossed your radar in regards to just the the magnitude of what these bad actors are up to? They look like legitimate organizations from the outside. They have uh, company outings. They, uh, they, ha- they, they have, uh, they, they do so- social skills with each other. 
they have different departments. Customer service is actually the, the big thing, you know, particularly with these ransomware actors, uh, there's, they have great customer service because they want them to get paid. Uh, they want to help you separate uh, you from your money. So they want to make it as easy as possible. So they're there to help you. Sometimes they'll even turn around and say, hey, by the way, you know, now that we got paid, here's some words of advice on how to prevent this from happening again. So they'll actually give you some, uh, some security tips at the, at the end of it. But yeah, they're, 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 uh, it's big business. Um, and many of them run around in uh, countries that do not extradite to the West uh, and are uh, the local governments are, uh, are uh, turn a blind eye because they don't attack their own, uh, own folks. In fact, Many of the, you know, using the Russian gang example, uh, our evil has been one of the ones that has been in the news a lot lately. Uh, they were responsible for the Kaseya hack we talked about earlier. They were responsible for the Colonial Pipeline hack that happened uh, a few months back. Um, they are, they're, they're, it's, it's an affiliate program, just like on, on online services, right? They're not actually doing the hacking. They provide the software. The affiliate actually breaks into the company they deploy the R evil software. R evil collects the money and then pays the affiliate a percentage of uh, for for as like a finder's fee, uh, and that's how they all all make money. Um, so they have a robust uh, 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 system of uh, moving money around and and getting and then and then now with this uh, affiliate business, uh, a way to really expand without necessarily having to uh, to do uh, that much more sales, so to speak. So that's uh, that's a uh, they they follow the same business practices that many of us do. Uh, they also have the same sometimes the same flaws that we do. You know, for example, in the Colonial Pipeline, the affiliate in that case uh, was a little bit less uh, mature, and as a result of that, they were able to nab the money back that was uh, taken by the affiliate, but not from the initial our evil gang. Uh, they got their they got their payday. From that, from that one, so there's a lot of that, uh, and, and the one thing that they do is that if you deploy their malware on a company that has a Russian keyboard, it's not going to run because they see, okay, this is this is potentially someone in my home country. If I start hitting on my own uh, folks, then that's when the police will start knocking on the door, and they're a little bit less nice than than uh, than we are when it comes to uh, those kind of bad actors when they're caught. Before you even go to that uh, question, Chambered, um, I think one thing that surprises a lot of people is when they hear that a pipeline was hacked, um, just because usually when we think of things that are hacked, we think computers, we think technology. And I, I couldn't even just I couldn't even guess like how exactly a pipeline gets hacked. And so. Uh, as much as I, I'd love to hear about that one in specific, I, I think in a, in a broader perspective, I'm really fascinated by what are things that people don't expect to be hacked that end up getting hacked. Yeah, great question. Uh, when it comes to uh, you know anything that anything with a computer or anything that's on the internet or may have connected to something that was also on the internet, any of those things are an open game. So you know, just to, to not to to make this uh, too long. Uh, in the case of the Colonial Pipeline, their actual business systems were were hacked, not the actual pipeline. The pipeline shut down because uh, they couldn't bill. Uh, so if they couldn't bill for the oil that they were selling, they weren't delivering the oil, they shut the oil down. However, in the case of the water treatment plant in Tampa, uh, that was the computer that, a computer that was hacked that controlled uh, different chemicals that went into the water. Um, we've had similar things when it came to uh, power systems. The Russians uh, broke into the power systems in uh, you, the Ukraine uh, to shut down a lot of the power grid. Um, all these things are controlled uh, by computers, and in many cases, they're connected online, either directly or indirectly. Um, our own, you know, um, our own uh, government uses the same way to break into, uh, you know, other. Uh, other firms as well. Stuxnet, Stuxnet years ago um, was here's a here's a nuclear uh, enrichment plant in Iran uh, that was not connected at all to the outside world in any way. Uh, how was that hacked? Uh, dropping USB sticks. So somebody 
grabbed a USB stick, plugged into a computer, and inside that uh, network, they call it air gap network because it's not physically connected to something else. And now things uh, things go bad. Uh, those things can happen to us too. And you're walking around your next trade show and you're picking up USB sticks. You got to be careful what's on there. So you never know what. And it may not be the fault of the company that's uh, distributing them. It could be the the you know the back end provider that's selling the tchotchke or whatever. So there's lots of ways that uh, folks can do these things and not to make everybody. I want to make everyone a little bit more paranoid, not crazy paranoid, um, just to make sure that they they follow. But that's how they get into any, anything with a computing device, you know. So in that the case of that point of sale system, point of sale systems get broken into all the time, whether they're a computer or just have some sort of processing on it. Um, that's uh, that's that's a common uh, common attack vector now because they're usually smaller computers. They have less power. They're less powerful. You can't run robust security products on it, even if you wanted to. And frequently they're, you know, put out in the field and, and never updated. Medical devices are notoriously uh, for uh, having problems because of that, because you buy this million dollar machine, it's running software from 10 years ago. You're not going to spend another million dollars just to upgrade the, upgrade the version of Windows on. Yeah, I, I think a lot of businesses they, they they struggle with this because I guess they don't factor it into their business model. Yeah, um, you know it's hard enough that you have overhead, you have product, you have your 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 staff, you have uh, incidentals, which um, recency bias in full effect is a term that I'm now using, um, and and so you know factoring security into this is there. I mean, I want to think that it's like case by case or industry by industry. Um, but seeing as how everyone's a target, I don't know how true that is. But what is percentage wise the ideal budget that a company is putting into? And I'll, I'll put it together, IT and security, if that helps. Yeah. So if you're looking at, uh, of course, the consultant answer is it depends. It doesn't depend on uh, two, I would say mostly two factors. Uh, one is size of the firm in, their, in terms of revenue. Uh, uh, as well as, um, as well as the industry, and why the size matters, and that you, you can think that all right, well, size percentage will take care of the size, right? Larger firms can spend a little bit less on security to get the same kind of benefits, but again, also industry also matters a lot too. The financial world, because we have the most experience there, it tends to be higher. Um, mostly because the numbers that they're dealing with are much, much larger. It's easier to justify to spend $5 to protect a $50 item versus, uh, uh, you know, spend um, $70 to protect the $10 item. So you, you, you have to be a little bit pragmatic about, uh, about what your, your approach is there. But um, the uh, industry norm right now, and it might be going up, uh, after this past year or so, it tends to be between four and seven percent of gross revenue uh, is about where uh, security should be. So, if you're a, uh, a you know million dollar company, uh, you should be thinking about you know about seventy thousand uh, dollars in uh, in total IT and security as well. Um, so that's kind of the uh, that's a, a rough place to start at least. Uh, and then from that. Uh, you have to decide what to spend on, right? So uh, it's 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 good to have a number in your head, um, but it's also important to you know be pragmatic about where you invest um, in your security, in where you need to invest in your security and your IT stack uh, as well. This next question that I had, this is um, psych, psych, psychology based. Um, and and, I, and you have to forgive me. I don't know really how fair of a question it is, but I'm just going to give it a try anyways, because um, we're speaking about the fact that some of these companies have even a company culture. I just I lost it as soon as I said that they do company outings, they do team building, and, you know, like they have probably have like HR department. Oh, just, yeah, so we've actually getting some harassment reports from you. It's like harassment in this in this industry. Uh, and I, I I'm wondering if you've uh, picked up any insights in regards to the psychology of of what, of what these bad actors get up to because they are bad actors and I have no problem saying that. Um, and yet what you've described is, are, are many things that we consider normal that you know, many, many companies do. So is there, is there anything that we've, we've learned about what is their lot in life, why they're driven into this and why, why they can't get into textiles? 
Yeah, it's a uh, so it's interesting, and I I didn't dive into this too much in my in my uh, learnings about it, but I've I've done a, a decent amount of reading about it, and most of the time it's it's and obviously you can see where, um, you know where in the world these uh, these things uh, shape, and you know we had um, for a long time we had these Nigerian print scams, right? Somebody sending an email trying to get you know hey my uncle died and he, I need to get money out and that kind of thing. So there was the differences there is the Nigerian government uh, really cracked down heavily on that. And it actually become one of the uh, examples of how you can, uh, how you can police your own, uh, your own backyard. Whereas in many parts of the Eastern Bloc, uh, that hasn't been the case, whether it's, and it's any country, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, uh, you know, et cetera. So there's, a, it, they, it comes all over, but not everywhere. You know, you have a company like a country like, uh, uh, like Estonia, um, mass, very small, um, same came from the same lot in life that all these other companies, other countries did, but they pushed forward from a country and industry to really push their technology forward. And they became a very technology um, almost a technical powerhouse for the size of the, uh, the country that they are. Uh, these folks don't have a lot of opportunities. And so uh, whether they were going to do this or some other criminal uh, activity, uh, it's hard to say, uh, but it's, it's easy pickings. Um, they have, you know, they have the immunity from their local governments, their local police. Um, and so then kind of that opens up you know, good people do bad things uh, when uh, when there are no limits uh, to their imaginations and there are no limits to uh, to what uh, to what people will bear on them. And so, as a result of that, they do these things. Um, and and there we are now. We deal with that uh, across the board. I would think that probably in some of these uh, some of these gangs, many many of the people that work there are you know they're like, well, I'm not doing any. It, it's a faceless enemy, right? It's it's those people over there that have um, uh, that have money, uh, or you know, and their their view of the of of, of us is very very skewed, and, and as a result of that, uh, so why not get a piece of that, you know? Um, not understanding necessarily what the damage that they do. And maybe right. it's very possible that many of the people in the company don't even know that they're doing bad things, that they're just, hey, they just work for this company that they go to work every day and uh, they answer phone calls and help people do things and, and what have you. Same thing with these uh, these uh, scammers that call, uh, you know, I, I think they know what the, that, that they're doing things are bad because they hang up on me when I play games with them. Um, but you know, you, you get these calls saying, I'm calling from the FBI. It's a thick accent. And they, you know, they're saying we're going to come arrest you and, and what have you. And they want your social security number over the phone. Um, and, uh, they're, they're, those folks typically, you know, they, they know, but that's what their lot in life is. You know, they're paying, they're getting paid, a, you know, 50 cents an hour or whatever to do this because they can't get a different, a different job. And, and I guess one thing to add on to it, um, and, I, and I'm not trying to, uh, you know, uh, criticize the U.S., uh, even though here in Canada, I consider Canada is basically the United States, except, you know, wearing a helmet. So, you know, we're in this together. And I think what what they see is in, in the West is I think they see a lot of decadence. And I think it actually gets to the point where they feel like we deserve to be punished. And so what they do, what they're doing is causing us harm. And they actually feel like it's it's justified to that extent. I think that, I mean, that's probably a little bit to that. Uh, but if then if you look at some of the, particularly the, the ownership or the, the, the upper echelon of these gangs, uh, these are the folks that are running, uh, you know, driving gold Bugattis and, uh, and have tigers as pets and stuff. So I'm not sure if the, the decadence, you know, the decadence kind of goes both ways in, in, in many cases. Yeah, that, that, that's valid. I, I appreciate your take on that. Now that Shopify has upgraded to version 2.0, we needed to make sure we were up to speed. So we've released version 4.0 to ensure that we're 100% equipped to take advantage of the 2.0 revolution. If you haven't upgraded your store, head on over. And if you haven't gotten started, now's as good time as any. 
we're going to back to the relationship between uh, IT and security, and we've definitely been exploring this thread uh, throughout it. And and I just want to make sure that we hammer this home, just to make sure that there's any key points we have to we have to do that we do it. So when people think um, security, they think protecting from threats, and when they think IT, me even I'm having a hard time thinking of an equivalent way to simplify it, even if it's not exactly um, uh, fair. Um, so. When when we talk about the relationship between the two, how much is uh, IT um, supporting the security of a, of a company? Yeah, it's that's a it's a great question. So uh, IT and security is is really kind of a, a Venn diagram. There's a little bit of overlap in the in the middle where they where they meet. Um, you know, we we actually look at it uh, a little bit differently in the sense that uh, IT tends to be a uh, a part of the company that provides the business a way to be more efficient, move forward, et cetera. Um, whereas security is really there to reduce risk, uh, ensure things are done in the right way. And so then um, parts of, uh, as a result of that, because there's a technology uh, overlap there, there usually is a, uh, there's some mem- some issue with, a, with, with, a, with that. In a smaller organization, it's very common to see these two functions together. Um, in a larger organization, uh, in fact, it's mostly recommended that these are independent. Um, and even the biggest companies, the chief information security officer will report to the chief information officer. So, you know, take that for you know for what it's worth. The uh, so what end, ends up happening in a in in a in a common scenario, like for example, our company, like we. We, we support companies that have their own IT or they have an, another company that is handling their IT. Um, and then we handle, we become kind of almost a check and balance to that. Uh, and then if we see something that we need, that we need uh, ultimately get fixed, uh, we provide that information for the IT staff to actually operationalize it. So you can think about IT being the operational arm of security in some ways, um, if you're looking at it from that point of view, but uh for us, uh, you know, we it's a little bit of offense and a little bit of defense in the same in the same team. Um, when uh, the way we go about it, because we're there are companies that say, "Look, I'm pure security. We're not touching IT. We're going to work with IT companies and what have you." And we we play in that game, um, but we're not exclusive to that because most of our companies are the companies that we work with. Uh, they're uh, they're so small that having two completely different organizations uh, running their running this uh, this aspect of it uh, doesn't my colleagues would say I'm wrong here so um, there are so there's different ways to to skin that if you do it the right way what happens is that ten, ten, that if you look at the if you look at the lowest I don't want to say lowest being the like uh, from a pejorative point of view but if you look at the let's say entry level rung of positions in both locations right? One on the IT side, it might be the help desk. On the on the security side, it would be a security analyst. So if you look at these two positions, what's the purpose of a help desk person? A help desk person is to help the employee or the person that needs help to do what they need to do to get their work done. That's that's their job. So whatever, what's the barrier to that stopping you? I'm going to open up that barrier. Security analyst almost has the opposite position. You're trying to get your thing done and something's stopping you. There's a reason why that something is stopping you. And and having that conversation there, like where, what, what's going on? Is this really legitimate? Things like that. The the first question isn't, yeah, let me do this for you or let me help you out. The the first question is, you know, what's going on here? What do we, so uh, having that person out, there's a little bit of a personality conflict from a individual personnel point of view. Um, but ultimately, uh, you know, they're working to do the same thing. Uh, the company can't move forward if they don't have security. Company can't move forward if they don't have the proper IT in place. So, as a company, we like working in the uh, in being able to engage so that security also becomes a little bit of an enabler and say, "Look, let's do this. Let's keep you secure, keep your risk down, but let's do it in a pragmatic way and allow you to still move forward with your." your business and, and get to your goals. Do you, uh, in, in your line of work, do you experience the equivalent of, of an emergency? 
I, I, I get the sense that you do like there are situations where someone is calling you and they're and they're in a panic and you have to deal with things right away. Have you do you encounter that or are you largely successful in your preventative measures? I'd be afraid to say uh, that we've been largely successful in our preventative measures because as soon as I say that something else is going to happen. I'm going to say we, we do a fair amount to try to prevent things from the cost of recovery is much higher than the cost of prevention. So we try to expend as much as we humanly can uh, to uh, for preventative and detective. So those are two different things. One is stopping it in tracks. The other one is identifying something happening when it's actually in the process of happening. So we, we do spend a fair amount of um, uh, resources in, in those two. And we, we have been, knock on wood, successful in that sense. Uh, however, there is going to be a bleeding neck. Uh, there is going to be hair on fire, uh, and those things happen, whether it's coming in from somebody that currently isn't under our protective dome, uh, or it's something, uh, that has fallen outside of our protective dome. You know, somebody who was doing work on their personal computer and, uh, lost data, didn't have the right, you know, protections in place, or for some reason, something got missed. We're all human. Things happen. Uh, things get missed and, uh, and, and somebody, you know, somebody gets dinged. How do you contain that? And how do you, how do you, um, uh, respond to that? Those are the key parts of, uh, of doing that. And what we do is we actually, uh, we socialize that a lot. We, 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 uh, we sit down as a team, we talk about, okay, what are the, what are some of the threats we've seen out in the wild? Um, what are the things that our clients are talking about? Um, what potentially can we think about in the future that could happen and what would we do if this happens? And then we, we document it because what, what, what you don't want to do in a panic is trying to figure out what you want to do, what you have to do. Um, that's the last thing, uh, that you want to be able to have a process that you can follow, uh, with, you know, some leeway, obviously, because every event is a little bit different, but at least if you have a process to follow, you can, you you don't have to panic to try to think about what that process is because the last thing you can think clearly in is in, in a stressful situation. And uh, it, just to draw um, a, a layman's equivalent to that, it's the same thing as fire drills is, you know, knowing what to do in a fire and knowing what to do, where the fire extinguisher is, where the exits are yeah. and stuff along yeah. those lines. It's why we do fire drills, right? It's the same idea. This is why we do uh, disaster recovery tests with, you know, making sure our backups are in place and that we test our backups. This is why we do uh, these tabletop exercises. Like, Hey, if this system was breached today or, and we do it for our own internal stuff. If, uh, you know, if the same thing had happened to, uh, Kaseya clients this past week happened to us, uh, with our systems that we use, what would we do? And so we have that conversation. Uh, and then we, we document it in this way. It's like, all right, so where are gaps in our, in our current, uh, processes? Does it, make fiscal and business sense to to plug up that hole um you can't you know cars come with a spare tire they come with one spare tire they're not really meant to have a two two tire blowout right so the what so you you make those decisions to make a uh to to do the pragmatic things to protect yourself for the greatest amount of risk as you can so you mentioned uh, uh, uh data and backing things up and that's i think that's another bit that uh, even uh, uh, sellers just starting out uh, might not take into account. And so uh, real quick, um, uh, are there any um, services or, or websites, um, you know, uh, entry level that people can go to to uh, understand how to back things up? Or is it as um, straightforward as getting the, 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 the data, downloading it, saving it onto an external hard drive and just hanging on to it? Then we can upload it later if we have to. When it comes to data, uh our much this is like this is now like a 25 year thing so this isn't anything new but it, it's a and it's not definitely not my idea it's something that i've heard and i've used it as kind of a my, our own uh, guideline is that if the data doesn't exist in three places it doesn't exist and that's three different places that's your the data that you're using so on your computer or whatever the the backup of that data that could be next to you it could be a usb drive and in the third place, it caught another copy of that data, not in your location. Uh, that could be in a physical vault someplace else. In the old days, we used to spin, t- you know, this is my, my gray hair kicks in. We used to back up the tape and we take those tapes and put it in a lockbox and ship them off site to another location. 
these days and you just ship it to the cloud. So there's a reason why we have those three. Why not just pack up to the cloud? Well, it might be faster to recover if you have a local copy of that. Um, but if you just have a local copy of that uh, and you have a USB drive that's connected to your machine all the time, your backup's going to get dinged too. Uh, they, the, uh, the actors are, are smart enough that they're, they're not only uh, going to destroy your local machine, but they're going to destroy your backups too if they can. So having a disconnected backup is, is, is critical. Uh, there are very, if you're just starting out and your data is on your, you know, like my son, he's got one computer, he has his, uh, his drawings, his art, whatever that he's, uh, that he's uh, put together for his uh, designs. Um, he has a copy on his computer. He has a copy on a, on a, like a shared uh, cloud drive thing, like a Dropbox kind of thing. Uh, and then he has a secondary backup that's offside using something like a could be any, something as simple as a crash plan or a, a, a carbonite or whatever. And you can use any of them. Any of those are just fine for a, a beginner for starting out. If you have a bigger operation, you may want to uh, do uh, uh, bigger uh, processes. But look at the the key. There are two key metrics that you need to look at. Um, how much data can I lose? You know, how can how much data can I afford to lose in time? And then the second one is, how long will it take for me to recover? So these are the two questions that we ask every client. They want to say, they start with, we want all the data, one second, and we want it available right away. And that's doable. But that costs a lot of money to do. So what we do in that sense is that we, then now we say, all right, so let's now pull out the wallet and say, that's going to cost probably a lot higher than the data that you're protecting or that you're willing to spend. So let's take it. What, what's, what's a realistic? Well, if I lose four hours of, of work and it takes a day or it takes 12 hours or it takes eight hours to recover, um, then, you know, that's, a reasonable amount. Okay. So now we have something to work with in terms of figuring out budget for that. Some people are like, yeah, my data is like, if I lose a day's worth of work and it takes a week to run, run out, then, you know, taking USB drive that you copy and you throw in a safe or you take it off site, that might be fine. Um, but I would think that there's probably, most people are probably somewhere in between. And once they figure that out, they can decide how much they can spend on doing that backup. But that's a critical piece. You know, if you're, if you're looking at anything, if you're not doing uh, the, you know, the bare minimum, back up your data. Uh, even though, the, you know, in, the, in terms of ransomware, just recovering the data is not necessarily uh, enough nowadays. They're extorting us now. They're saying, hey, we have your data. We're going to release it. And if it's not something that is sensitive, that you have to pay the ransom to prevent that from happening, not that I'm saying that you should pay the ransom or not. That's between you and your insurance, your insurance company, um, but the uh, at the very least you have your information to get back up and running quicker. And and one thing that's been sticking out to, to me as, as we're describing this because we you know we're also talking about um, you know companies and employees working remotely. And I think one thing that's really made a big difference in the last year is the prevalence of of working remote. You know, full disclosure, I work remote. And from your point of view, I I'm guessing that it's made the situation a lot harder because now you have everybody in their own home and there's yeah. not a standard operating procedure across everybody's uh, devices. And I mean, have you encountered this issue personally with the, with, with whom you're working with? Absolutely. I mean, when, when, uh, when the pandemic first hit and, you know, we had, you know, most of our clients were uh, ready to be able to work from home. Um, you know, some, some were not because of just the way they were structured, but you know, many were that, that was very common for someone to, you know, take computer home and work from it or connect from a different location. Um, what was, uh, what was new was everybody doing it at the same time. Uh, and so now that that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is now dealing with, uh, from a purely from a, uh, not only a security point of view, but from a technology point of view. Um, everybody's own bandwidth issues, right? Uh, you have kids in your building that are, are connecting into school at the same time that you're trying to work at the same time as somebody else, uh, you know, kids playing Xbox while they're at school. 
uh, my own kids, for example. Um, so that's uh, that's uh, those are the things that you were having to deal with, um, and it became an education aspect for us for our clients. Now we weren't going to be able to get into every house, segment their network, so their business was separate from their uh, from their uh, personal environment. That wasn't doable. So we did the best we can to um, make sure that their work related activity was as segmented away from their personal activity as possible. Um, we recommended not using personal devices to connect into the office wherever we could. Uh, that in the beginning, that was tricky because it was very hard to get equipment. Uh, companies didn't have laptops and laptop orders were, were, were rare. So we had to do our best again, again around that. The problem ends up being is that as the pandemic raced on and we were able to resolve these qu questions quickly, many did not. Many did not uh, say, ah, oh, things are fine the way they are, or they're working and this is more of the IT mindset. Things are working, I'll leave it alone, uh, versus going back and rethinking about, all right, so now, now that I have time, now that the rush is out the door that I got everybody up and running, because that was the you know job number one is the business has to run. Job number two is, all right, now how do we reduce the risks associated with that business and say, all right, here are some areas that we need to clean up with. And that was trickier to do uh, over, over the, the course of this past year. But I think it put us and our clients in a, in a better state because of that. So it's 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 uh, it's okay sometimes to uh, open the door a little bit in order to do get your job done. Um, but sometimes you have to rethink that, uh, and that's not always easy to do. But you have to remind yourself, like, all right, do I still need this open? Is there something that we can do um, to, uh, to protect ourselves? Um, but yeah, there and there's always you know pragmatic things you can do to to help yourself. VPN is a clear one. Um, there are other uh, products or buzzwords that are out there that uh, that kind of mimic the uh, an, kind of a newer way of doing VPNs for uh, for folks to, to get access to um, information. Uh, most of our companies, a lot of them are uh, either all into all in cloud or half in cloud. So, you know, you're not VPNing back into the office now anymore to get your information. You're already still accessing it the same way you did when you were in the office. It's it's all online. So how do now that you're not in the protection of the company bubble anymore, you're kind of out here. Uh, how do we protect out of that? Now there's there's new tools and, and ways to do that. So as a result of that, you're we're we're constantly evaluating um, the tactics and the frameworks that we use to help roll things out. So we follow a framework. Um, that framework is ever evolving and we reevaluate that framework against all our customers every quarter to see if there's anything that we need to adjust along the way. We're, we're getting close to, to our hour mark. Um, we're uh, just, a, just a few minutes away and I've jotted down a lot of notes today, by the way. I think there's a lot of really great practical information here. And, um, and, and, and as I uh, said at the beginning of the episode, I'll, I'll say again to, you know, to, to start tying this up is it's, it's so important and yet if you just, even if we just look at the ratio of how many times we have this kind of conversation versus how many times I have conversations with Shopify sellers, I think that this is the kind of thing that we really do need to know more about. I have one more, well, not counting the wrap-up question, but the last question that I wanted to ask you is purely speculative, and I'm really asking you more for the fun of it, but do you see an end game between the arms race between security and the bad actors? Is this an eternal struggle uh, like the battle between light and dark? Or is it possible that you know, the bad actors could be uh, thwarted once and for all? I mean, we have to make it uh, as hard as possible, right? The, 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 there's no way in, in the hearts of men uh, doing uh, bad things for their own personal gain. I don't think that's, you know, that started from the dawn of time. I don't know if that's going to, that's not going to stop in any, uh, in any way. Uh, that I can see, so I, I'm not going to speculate on that that eventuality. Um, however, there are some structural things that we can make extremely difficult uh, to do, um, both from a, a technical point of view, um, but also potentially from a, a policy and uh, you know, governmental point of view. Um, I'm not a massive believer in regulation and things like that. I think sometimes it, it hinders our businesses uh, from moving forward at the at the um, uh, expense of uh, 
trying to protect us from from certain things. But there's a lot of things that we uh, that we can do. One is, you know, unlike many other countries, because of the structure of the U.S., you know, as a federal system, uh, every state does their own thing. Um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But when it comes to something like uh, e-commerce or privacy, online privacy, I think there needs to be some standards that are that are about around the uh, around the uh, country. For one, it's actually better for business because now you don't have to, you know, especially an e-commerce con- company. Think about it, you, uh, you have a store and you're selling to 50 states. Now you have to deal with 50 different privacy uh, rules. That's nuts. Uh, those are things that need to uh, need to be fixed from that point of view. I'm f- glad to finally hear that the from a uh, at least from the um, the White House that we're bringing down to bear to uh, on, on some of our adversarial. Uh, tendencies. I think, unfortunately, it's pointed in one direction a little bit too much. Um, you know, there are definitely some other aspects of, for example, the corporate espionage that takes place on behalf of uh, uh, for China that we need to also be concerned about as well. There. So the uh, if if the uh, if the Russian bear, it, you know, you know, they they run into a China shop and they break things. Uh, uh, the Chinese panda. Uh, it's a little bit sneakier about it and doesn't make as much noise. And so that's, that's, those are, those are, I think from a governmental point of view that we can all uh, do a little bit better. Um, from the, uh, from our personal business point of view, uh, we all have to be aware and, and raise our games. Um, ultimately, uh, the tools are going to be getting, are getting better. Um, we're able to, they're getting, not only getting better, but they're getting cheaper. And ultimately, that's going to help us. But it's not just technology; it's people. Uh, the pe- people have to be engaged in in, in their own solution. Nah, and and your provider and your um, uh, your software is not going to care more about your business than you are. Yeah, uh, that that makes that makes total sense. Especially the 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 bigger they get, you know, a company like Shopify. You got a lot of other people. I mean, yeah. there there's some high-profile people. They've kicked off their platform. So clearly, they, uh, there's some concerns that they don't share with me. So, and you know, it was funny too. I didn't even I didn't even mention like a digital digital rights management. You know, coming from the game background, you know, there's there's this whole, there's a whole other kind of worms about how you know users who do obey the rules and obey the law actually tend to be the far more inconvenienced in the interest of protecting them. Correct. So that's a whole other whole other thing. Yeah. I just wanted mm-hmm. to give that a, a brief bit of oxygen. So. Um, so door, door is definitely open. Um, it, it was great to meet you today and I'd be more than happy to have you back and carry on uh, this conversation. Back. Love to be back. Perfect. Well, our wrap up question is the, uh, economics tradition is if you have any parting words of wisdom, not that we haven't spent the last hour sharing wisdom, but you know, Chinese proverbs, stuff like that, anything you enjoy sharing, you're welcome to, and then let the audience know how they can reach you. And I especially want them to check out your, your blog. Uh, because I, I went through it and there was a lot of uh, great takeaways that we didn't even get into today. Yeah. I mean, um, if you're, you know, especially if you're a very, you know, very small business, uh, you know, uh, I would guess that most of the companies that are, are many of the companies like anything that are dealing with, uh, with Shopify are probably uh, fairly small. Uh, although there's some large retailers that use it as well. Um, but there's, uh, you know, if you're very small, you start, start from the basics, uh, look at the basics. Uh, you talked about the hygiene, there's a cyber hygiene. Um, you know, we talked about keeping your computer up to date, making sure you're smart about the passwords that you use, you use to a, a multi-factor authentication, back up your data. Uh, unfortunately we see a lot of companies take risks, uh, with their own and their clients data and thinking that's going to cost too much to protect themselves. And we need to, the truth is that there's, there's ways that you can do that. Um, whether it's, uh, you know, t- and, and most, com- most companies can just start with talking to their local IT uh, company resource to say, hey, I want to do better about protecting myself. What am I doing wrong? Giving me an outside look, uh, get an assessment done. Uh, it could be something as it doesn't have to be a full on penetration test. You're not going to penetrate, te- do a penetration test against Shopify. They, they'd kick you off. Um, but, you know, let's have a conversation about my business operations to see, you know, poke some holes into it, have another set of eyes. Um, that's always uh, uh, going to, uh, to help you out. And then finally, um, you know, it's, you know, it's not how you defend uh, 
your attack successfully. There's no way you're going to defend every attack. It's, you know, respond and recover from that. Uh, that will determine if your businesses can survive something that happens or be part of the statistic that 60% of small businesses fail after a, uh, a successful breach. Wow. That's a, that's a sobering stat, but it's uh, really important to keep in mind. Um, and so with that, uh, so just to reiterate, um, where can the audience uh, discover more about what you do and what you're up to? Sure. Uh, you can find me on, uh, on Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Rafi Jim Gochin. Um, the business is triadanet.com uh, and the blog is there as well. Uh, so we write about security issues, security news, and and things like that. Yeah, and then and like I said uh, to to my audience, um, I I had the 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 privilege to go through it and prep for this, and there was a lot of really great information in there. So uh, well well worth the read. And with that, uh, Rafi, it was great to uh, ha- have uh, have you on the program today. I-, I learned a lot. I think this is a really important episode, and I and I hope everyone. Um, uh, hazard hazard ha- had their notepads out i'll put that in my intro all right with that to my audience as always thank you for being a part of this it is an honor and a privilege to collect this information and provide it to all of you take care we will check in soon thanks for listening you might have found this show on many number of platforms apple podcasts spotify google play stitcher or right here on debutify Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you, so whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to Debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.